Thanks for listening to another episode of Consciously Clueless. I'm your host, Carly, and I'll be your guide on this journey from consciousness to cluelessness and back around again. Today on the podcast, I get to talk to Claire Mann again. Claire is an Australian-based vegan psychologist, communications trainer, and animal rights campaigner. She consults with people all over the world to help address the personal and social challenges of being vegan and living in a non-vegan world. And she's the author of Vistopia, The Anguish of Being Vegan in a Non-Vegan World. If you didn't listen to our first episode together, go ahead and check that out. Otherwise, enjoy! This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp. Is there something interfering with your happiness or is preventing you from achieving your goals? By now, you all know that therapy is an important part of my own self-care. It has truly been a game changer in every aspect of my life, including achieving goals. BetterHelp is the largest online therapy platform worldwide. They are changing the way people get help with facing life's challenges by providing convenient, discreet, and affordable access to a licensed therapist. BetterHelp makes professional therapy available anytime, anywhere, through a computer, tablet, or smartphone. You can start communicating within 48 hours. It's not a crisis line. It's not self-help. It is professional therapy done securely online. And I have a special offer for Consciously Clueless listeners. Visit BetterHelp.com Carly and join the over 1 million people taking charge of their mental health with the help of an experienced professional. By using this code, you get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp.com slash C-A-R-L-Y. Take care of yourself today. Thanks again to BetterHelp for sponsoring this podcast. Well, thank you for joining me again. I'm so happy to have you back on the podcast. Thank you. I'm delighted to be here from Australia again, of course. Yes, yes. So I saw a post you had recently. Well, let me get I'm getting ahead of myself because I'm looking at my list and I'm very excited to ask you questions that I've been thinking about. I'm getting ahead of myself. I've been asking everybody at the beginning of the podcast, and maybe because you've been on before, I was like, oh, we've been there, um, where they are feeling in this moment from the scale of clueless to conscious, because the podcast is consciously clueless and recognizing that it's that pendulum swing, especially in the last few years. So before I get ahead of myself, trying to practice what I preach and slow down here a little bit, where are you on the scale from clueless to conscious right in this moment? Well, I'm definitely at the conscious end, um, very much so. Mm-hmm. Um, with all the challenges that are going on in the world, I think we have a great opportunity here to truly, mm. um, for vegans to expand their um, consciousness to include humans and non-vegans, and for non-vegans to mm. include the animal kingdom and planet, And I think people are starting to see what is happening in our world um, is it's all interrelated. And I think vegans particularly Mm -hmm. have to learn to realize that what happens to animals is an outcome of oppression and bigger systems at play. Um, And we've got an opportunity to turn this around. So uh, if you'd ask me on another day, it may not be quite as high um, (laughs) because I'm human and I have ups and downs. Um, Mm -hmm. What's happening in our world is very challenging. But yeah, that's where I am today. Good. Well, it's it's an inspiring place to be. So thank you for sharing that. 
it's a good it's a good reminder. So something I've wanted to talk to you about for a while now that you talked to another I think you were in another podcast or another spot or something, but was this idea about eco anxiety, and this I think ties into the anxiety connected to learning about systems of oppression, veganism, um, the environment, whatever it is. But I think that it is something we have to talk about more. And I didn't realize that it could cause that in me when learning about these things, these heavy topics and talking about that. Can you talk a little bit about mm. like what eco-anxiety is and a little more? Sure. Well, it's interesting, isn't it? Because um, of late, I've been approached um, by people who say, well, I feel like um, about the environment and our biodiversity and, and these sort of things in the same way that you say vegans feel about animals. And they say, so I think Vistopia mm -hmm. should include this. And I sort of, with a smile on my face, I say, well, why don't you come up with a word? That's a really great idea. But it's, <laughs> but I think the very similar thing is a deep anguish. People feel the destruction of our environment and the breaking the ocean dead zones, the, the, the destruction of biodiversity, the pollution, the um, just the utter the chemtrails in this, you know, spraying chemicals in the in the sky, yeah. our food is polluted with chemicals and the, the soil itself is meant to have its own immune system and, and doesn't seem to, all these sort of things, I can understand and equally feel a deep anguish about that. And then when we tell people, they go, right. well, we've got bigger things to focus on and that would never happen, which yeah. is not as bad as whatever. And then people ask, what else don't we know? So there are similar parallels indeed. As we know, Vistopia, it starts off with, the mental anguish of knowing about the systematized cruelty towards animals. Um, but, and so we've, but people are then contacting me and going, well, particularly young people, I feel guilty. I feel desperate. There isn't anything in the future. Now, the encouraging side of myself would say, well, this is, you know, I'm so glad people are waking up and they're feeling a responsibility for that. If we look at bigger forms of oppression, I think that is being utilized against youth to make them feel they are responsible. Everything is man-made. It's all our fault of our normal modern systems. When we look into that a little more deeply, and a lot of vegans don't like me saying this, it's a little bit more complex than that that actually um, man-made climate change isn't quite as influential, it would seem, than actually people consider it to be. When we start unpacking, we talk to scientists around this area, it seems to be that the records to look at temperature changes, for instance, only go back probably 100 years. If we go back even 150 years, we find that actually what is happening in our world is not unusual. Now, that is really an inconvenient truth, because wouldn't it be nice if it was all directly related <laughs> and we could just change our behavior right. and get with the program? I think there are much bigger um, systems of oppression well beyond our governments that actually are pushing this. Um, no, it doesn't. So right. I never use the word climate change. I use the word climate dis um, environmental destruction, ocean dead zones, which mm. is absolutely, as we know, that is clearly having an effect on our weather patterns. But it's not, you know, we're driving a gar guzzling car and that affects things. And therefore, nothing else sort of matters. But I'm not an expert right. on this. It's not an area I've looked, you know, would be able to quote off the top of my head. But when you have right. scientists challenging um, like that hockey stick sort of graph sort of thing of how the temperatures go up. Um, the person who came up with that has been asked to go to court many times to, to show his original data and he can't do it. Now that makes me ask, what else don't we know? 
So it doesn't, right. so that's kind of scary. But this is all, as we know, everything is censored these days and it doesn't fit a narrative. Not because well-concerned people like you and I are concerned about it. You know, it's it's much, it's keeping a narrative that is keeping people controlled, you know, and to, and there's a bigger play at hand. So, so I prefer to say destruction because clearly when we look around, we are destroying our environment and our animal life, our bird right. life, our pollution systems. But it's not necessarily that directly this is because of climate change. That's really interesting. And my first reaction when you shared, I didn't realize that the mm. the the guy, the hockey stick guy, show is, yeah, <laughs> show is his name. Hockey, I was like the hockey stick guy, <laughs> the hockey stick guy, that he can't show his original data. I didn't know that, and that almost gave me anxiety in and of itself for a second there because yeah. I'm like, well, I've based so many arguments. Yeah off of this as an activist. So how do you kind of oh, reconcile yeah. that or look for the information that's still showing yeah. from yeah. and not being funded by other places, right? Still showing yeah. what's happening scientifically to the world. Absolutely, that's right. Well, and I think number one, if we go back over history, you know, climate change, it used to be global warming. And then, you know, if you actually do a little bit of unpacking, the marketing wasn't working as well climate change now that yeah. the, even in the environment hates us currently you know therefore we're horrible people you know um which is actually not true <laughs> you know um you right. know it's like saying oh my gosh we're gonna wear factor 50 sun guard you know suddenly in 1960 yeah. or 70 the sun hated australians it's burning everybody but when you actually look at an original um, to topic in The Lancet, said one of the biggest cause of, and I haven't got this to quote in front of me, but I know it exists because I've seen it directly um, in the medical journal, is the biggest cause of skin cancer is sun lotion. <laughs> now that is kind of terrifying. So, and yet we've got this whole thing that it will, you know, and now obviously if you stand out in the sun and you get burnt, it's going to cause a change in the cells of the skin. It will cause for some right. people, particularly if you use a lot of it, there will be, you know, have a lot of unprotected sun in high areas. You will maybe have certain growths and things happen. But the biggest cause, and that's wow. actually a medical journal, but that just gets swept under the carpet. So it's, I think, how do we manage this? It can make us despairing because we go, well, Oh my gosh, are we saying we've been lied to about this as well? What's right? You know, I thought I was lied to over here yeah. and I'm lied to over here. Like, what, what now? Absolutely, that's right. And so we've got to keep our strengths, we've got to keep our diligence, we've got to stop judging each other, particularly as vegans as well, but also as just as citizens. Mm -hmm. We are not the enemy. <laughs> you know, um, we've got to come together and we you don't need scientific journals to just look outside your window and see you know what we're doing to our food systems you know it's um i i grow a lot of my own food and i talked to a, a lovely friend in australia who was a market gardener and i said why am i getting so many i don't like to call them pests they're already there after their meals right, as well but animals are interfering with this and of course i'm not going to use any sprays or anything or kill them how can i stop them and he said well plants used to have their own immune system they never used to get attacked like this there was plenty of food for those other animals to to feed off of course but we have destroyed the immune system in the plants they can't naturally protect themselves and so they get attacked wow. and then the pharmaceutical companies spray a load of chemicals on them to make them you know resistant to all these horrible pests and things when you try and we've upset that whole biodiversity 
You know, I didn't realize that myself. What a cycle. Yeah, that's right. So I think we've got to go back to basics. Charity does begin at home. What are we doing in our own lives? Number one, what are we putting on our plate? Um, we do know the biggest contributor to some climate difficulties is definitely animal agriculture. And, um, right. and we know in Australia ourselves is the, the, the waste that comes from many of those horrible mm. intensive farms. Any farm is just a horrible farm, really, if it uses animals. It's just done less intensively if it's a private farm. Um, it's, it goes into the right. ocean and it's actually um, with all the chemicals. So it's killing a lot of the fish and those sort of things here. But also because a lot of the applied nutrients that are in there, we've had a proliferation of what's called um, star of crown fish i think they're quite starfish and um and they were growing massively because there was all these you know applied nutrients going into the and so the queensland government decided the best way to get rid of them would be these little darts that killed them so this is the human being's answer to upsetting the system abusing the animal putting oh, wow. the horrible chemicals in killing all the fish these other animals then um, grow and then we'll just kill them off so we have to change all we have to ask what am i doing that is contributing to such horror um what are we putting in our mouths what are our putting on our bodies our chemicals our sprays all of these things are contributing um and then how can we advocate for people to live with a kinder and lighter footprint on the on the planet and what are we doing right. um around plastic around um sprays where do we get our food where do we all these things and, and to know that we can make a difference, not to be overwhelmed so much that you go, the problem's too big, it'll never change. Um, and, and to do it like that, I think. So would you say that that's a big piece of advice you give in terms of that eco-anxiety, the dystopian-related anxiety or what whatever kind of where that's coming mm -hmm. from, but in terms of these reactions to crisis seas and things in our world that day-by-day day action is that what you would advise mm. is focusing on helpful mm. or sure well it's getting your own house in order so you know you've you can't be a great activist if you're feeling anxious and depressed and overwhelmed and hopeless the animals don't need us to do that mother earth doesn't need us to do that so we've got to get our own house in order we've then got to become exquisite communicators so that we don't get people mm -hmm. offside we partner with people and say look we this is something we're all in together <laughs> um, not what the right, government is right. telling us we're all in together is you know in the sets we're on yeah. this planet and we have a part to play and we're going to push it in the right direction or we're going to destroy even more um but with right. all um wider anxiety about the state of our worlds and the abuse of others it's got to be massive action now whether it's doing a podcast like this whether it's making vegan cupcakes and taking it to your neighbor whether it's buying some seeds and showing people how to grow on your front porch or yeah. on your window, it's encouraging people. Um, but I, I always mm -hmm. refer back, Carly, to the Liberation Pledge. Now, vegans know this, and perhaps if your other listeners don't know it, um, a Liberation Pledge, as you know, Carly, is where mm -hmm. vegans decide three things. Number one, they do, will not eat or buy or use products that are going to... Um, use or exploit animals to the best of their ability because animals are used in so many ways but they will do absolutely everything they can to become aware of it and not do mm -hmm. it the second one is that they will educate people about this 
But second and thirdly, mm. they will not um, sit in the presence of other people abusing animals either. So they won't sit with other people that are eating animals, for instance. Now, some people say that's extreme. Um, people have to decide where they are on that one. Okay particularly on the right. one of being in the presence of other people. But what's interesting, the relevance for eco issues here is where that came from. Do you, do you know the origin of the Liberation Pledge? I don't. Now, this is so inspiring. When I heard this, it actually goes back to the foot binding of little girls in China. That was a horrible tradition that went on for oh, I'd like to say a thousand years, but my history of China is not that good. I'd have to check that up for hundreds of years, the most horrific treatment where the and people don't really know, it's it's where they break the foot of a young female and they bend the foot back. It's the most barbaric treatment. And unfortunately, and they bind it very tightly. What people don't realize is those nails keep growing. And so that poor girl is in a position of agony and infection and many die for the whole of her life. Okay, so we could talk about all sorts of means, reasons that was being done. How did that stop? Now, in a, a country like China with over a billion people, how would you possibly, little old you and me, Carly, how would we change that? Right. They decided to take a liberation pledge. A few families, a few parents, males and females, came together and said, we will not bind the feet of our children, even though this is tradition and we're going to get a lot of backlash. Number two, we will um, not allow our girls to marry anyone who believes in foot binding or any family oh, wow. that believes in that. Yeah. Cycle, a generation, wow. Yeah. And number three, we will educate other parents and other people about this. And that's how the end of foot binding came about. Wow. It was, a Activism. It was the original. It was grassroots. Activism grassroots now isn't that exciting because that says oh my gosh we can do this wow wow i had no idea and that's a perfect segue the third point of the liberation pledge for vegans that will not sit in the presence of someone exploiting yeah. animals i saw something on your instagram about should you eat you know a meal with a non-vegan <laughs> and i think it is so good to keep having those conversations and something you said in the beginning was about we have this moment to do something with here in our world yeah. and that you said you said something about the idea that uh, vegans can learn to include non-vegans more can you talk a little bit more about that sure. and that kind of concept yeah absolutely well we hear so many vegans don't we say you know and when we talk about vegans as you know it's people that have been traumatized and distressed about the vile um abuse of of animals okay right. i'm going to call it a holocaust because it is a holocaust i know that's the politically sensitive word however what people don't know is the word holocaust was originally applied to the abuse of animals not the abuse of people and yet people say, oh, my gosh, you know, I'm Jewish. I've got Jewish friends myself. I was also friends of all types, um, you know, in, in flavors and varieties, including English ones, which are a little concerning. <laughs> I come from England. <laughs> and, um, so interesting. The origin yes, of that is right. the, the origin of language is so interesting. I think I still have a, a hitch about wanting to honor the event yeah. for what it is, but knowing the origin of language is so important and we often don't yeah. get that. 
we don't get it that's right but also when we separate and go oh i can't mention the abuse of women because that upsets that group or this right. group or whatever i think we're being played against each other when we do that mm. all suffering is bad you know not all, not all suffering i'll say that because i think for us to suffer unnecessarily or to impose violence on others or oppression is wrong Right. But it doesn't mean that because your suffering is bigger than mine sort of a thing. And that by mentioning this, I, I, I actually disrespect yours. I think we're actually moving, you know, we're saying, well, animals suffer more than humans because vegans do this. They say, well, I don't like humans. I'm misanthropic. I, I don't like this word, but I hate humans, they say. You know, that's not vegan, guys. Yeah, <laughs> we're animals yeah. too. And I can understand the sentiment, though, because you think, why are people so horrible why are they so they like their tasty food and whatever it's because they've been duped into being in a trance most people there are people right. that don't care of course there are but most people are so they start to feel the shame of what that is and, and oh my gosh i'm part of this oh no it can't be this is to be a few bad apples because the horror as you and i know is so great right and so i think um, but I did a series of webinars called Second Stage of Estopia, What Else Don't mm -hmm. We Know? And I did a great um, webinar. You can actually get it on the veganpsychologist.com. But with Mark Donadue, the former, um, or not former, the founder of World Vegan Day Melbourne, one of the biggest mm -hmm. festivals in the world. He's going to be and on the podcast soon. Is he? Oh, great. Yes, I think yes, I recommended him. So thank you him. for that connection you are in for a treat because his knowledge of um, this is phenomenal if he pulls right. together all those issues do ask him the really big questions he's he's a walking encyclopedia and a dear good i can't mind. wait absolutely and we we connected with derek bros now derek bros um is a vegan who set up something called the conscious resistance go and have a look at that the whole principle of agorism the non-initiation of violence is the mm -hmm. philosophy he talks about and we did a webinar called expanding our view and perception of veganism to include humans <laughs> and it talked about this need for vegans to embrace the non-vegans um, and you know there's people are doing great things out there they're concerned about their neighbors and this you know war situations and people that are oppressed in the environment they just haven't expanded that to include animals right and if they don't no, to a large extent, we think, well, they should know. Um, but you ask the average person what a vegan is, and they'll talk about a fussy vegetarian diet. Mm -hmm. And it's not, as you know, it's a philosophy. So I think we've we've got a time in our history to change this, to truly talk about all exploitation and abuse and suffering unnecessarily is wrong. Mm -hmm. um, and and start to expand that in its widest sense. It's interesting. I'm I'm glad you've made me pause and, and think about things and right the the scale from clueless to conscious back and forth. Mm -hmm. um, I've I've used that argument before with other things about how groups are pitted against each other in terms mm -hmm. of um, like yeah. we talk about the working class in our country, the working class and people of color were pitted against each other yeah. um, with immigration and all these things. And I never thought about how those issues even within the vegan movement or vegans versus other types of activism, activism being pitted against each other aren't, isn't moving the needle either. That's true. Absolutely. And it's an Do interesting, I? it's an interesting comparison for my brain to make. It makes sense <laughs> to me. Yes. Yeah. Well, well done for your open-mindedness to, you know, 
I think if we're open to things and go, well, that's interesting. You know, Claire, you know, I like you. Maybe there's something you know that I don't. Tell me more. And mm-hmm. likewise, if you were to say something completely left of field to me, you know, it's upon me to go, well, that doesn't seem right. It's uh, mm-hmm. So what do you know, Carly? You know, you're a reasonable person. I respect what you're doing. What do you know that I don't? Right. Now, if we could all adopt that that curiosity from curious, uh, clueless to consciousness. Right, right. <laughs> You know, it'd go, well, okay, help me out here. Maybe I'm just going to have my eyes open. But I think the anxiety is so great for people these days, this free-floating anxiety that they'd latch onto it. Oh, this is the answer. And then when someone throws Mm. a curveball, they don't want to sit with the unknowing. Well, one of the best things we can learn is to learn to live with uncertainty because that's certainly an existential reality of, you know, there's no insurance policy on life. Um, but we can develop an insurance policy that says we'll deal with whatever comes along if we right. develop those internal resources. Right. And I think that it's so easy for someone who, if you've been vegan and you feel like you're kind of woke to what's going on in the world, you're mm-hmm. like, I get it. I'm totally, I'm totally the veil is lifted. I see it. Yeah. I understand it can be even more dangerous sometimes, I think, for people like that to think that they've figured it all out. And then they are are done with their growing. This podcast is sponsored by TerraSeed. TerraSeed is on a mission to disrupt the vitamin industry, empower vegans, and reduce plastic waste in the world. They put everything plant-based people struggle to get in an all-inclusive, vegan, compostable package multivitamin that replenishes them and our planet every single day. Seriously, y'all, win, win, win. Even if you're not vegan, this vitamin will help you get those key nutrients that you need. I am so excited to share a discount code for your first purchase. Use code CARLY50 at checkout to get 50% off. Again, that's C-A-R-L-Y-5-0 for 50% off your first purchase at TerraSeed.com. Don't forget this code so they know I sent you. This podcast is supported by She Thinks. Thinks are washable, reusable period underwear. They look and feel just like normal underwear, but better. Every pair of Thinks is made with their signature innovative technology for the ultimate period protection. Their breathable products are safely made with cotton, nylon, and elastin for a little stretch. I am seriously obsessed with my Thinks underwear. They have changed my periods. Try them yourself or get someone the best gift ever with a sweet little discount code. Go to shethinks.com slash Carly for $10 off your order today. Again, that's shethinks.com forward slash C-A-R-L-Y for $10 off your order. Try Thinks today. Absolutely. Now I'm going to pick you up on this and you're going to go, oh no, she's going to say something else. It's people that are awake that are actually able to see. That's another word that has been used um, deliberately to try and categorize people as being woke or unwoke and not Mm -hmm. by awakened people, by, you know, it became very prevalent during the US presidential elections. It's amazing how all that stopped when the new guy came in. Mm -hmm. It's amazing. All those protests, all that isn't that strange now when we actually go back a little bit further we find that behind some of these um protests and behind these things are the same players that have been around for decades 
that mm -hmm. actually has moved from conservative to Democrat, Democrat to conservative, that are just using this as in a puppetry in many ways. So I wouldn't use the word woke. It makes me go, oh, dear. Um, I like the word awakened. Because if not, we're in this other camp. You're woke, you're really aware. And I understand, you know, everybody is using it. But there's a lot of what we call a psyop, a psychological operation that gets people. And climate change is one of them. It used to be global mm -hmm. warming. Um, I know I'm hopefully not distressing your listeners more, but hopefully inspiring them to go, OK, this sounds a bit weird. I won't dismiss it immediately. You know, I've been doing a lot of research of, you know, what's been going on, as a lot of most of us have in the last years, whatever. And what I've come to realize is that there are very large organizations mm -hmm. that use applied behavioral psychology techniques in advising mm -hmm. governments around the world of how to get their messages across. Mm. That has brought me to my knees in terms of some of the techniques they're using to turn people against each other. Mm -hmm. Okay. You can actually go and look at this stuff and you'll go, oh, gosh, I wish I didn't know this. <laughs> um, you know, just the well, one phrase I really in it, and it was actually um, by the it was advisors to the British government about what is happening in our world at the moment and polarizing people in, in terms of decisions around health and, you know, freedoms and whatever. Right, right. And the phrase was in there that said we will apply neuro linguistic program and processes to get people to think differently. And if you look at the leaders around the world, they all use the same words. We yeah. are all in this together. You know, it's um, all these sort of, they all come out at the same time. Now, they're either having this great big meeting and they're all sort of by coincidence doing it. But in this report, he said, we'll apply those principles, but governments have to be very careful because if they do it too quickly, to the polarization and turning against each other will turn to violence against citizen against citizen. They actually have this in the reports advising governments. Now, that doesn't seem you know, very progressive to me, it also seems that, you know, we've really got to come together and realize there are bigger forces trying to turn us against each other. We need to come together, not polarize and diversify. No one has all the information. Um, this sets you off a stopia on an upward trajectory. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking about one, thank you for the information on the word woke. I've never heard any of that before so that's really interesting and I'm, yeah. I'm intrigued to look more into that and and two when when people like you who I value the, their opinion and trust and you know like you said like I'm like okay Claire knows things I'll listen here yeah. when you say that come together in that way like what does that look like when you when we say we yeah. all need to come together and, and understand that there are systems of oppression there and that that's what yeah. we need to do um and I'm not expecting you to have all the answers but just in general like for you like what does that mean what, what does that mean that's right it's a much bigger <laughs> discussion of course well I think we have we don't want a world that is violent and oppressive we've got to ask ourselves where am I doing this in my life mm. you know um I recently posted something on a social media page which just supported people's right to speak out 
against about what happens in their lives. They were peacefully, mm-hmm. you know, coming together as we've seen things around the world. Um, and I absolutely, whether we agree with people or not, that's not the issue. It's people's right. right to have a voice and speak. That's what we have considered to be a democracy. Right. And I was mercilessly attacked by that, by people that I've probably known for a very long time, very well, some very well known in the vegan movement, saying they wanted to dismiss anything I'd ever said. Oh, and wow. all I said is, I support people's right to speak out about, you know, if not, how we won't be able to talk about anything. I was just going to say that's, vegan. that's yeah. just what we need to do in the vegan community. So absolutely. Um, so what was that about? You know, they didn't even know where I stood, you know, and it didn't actually matter. That's the key thing. Mm. And I was very saddened by that. Um, and I was told I wasn't very woke. So that's the association. It's that like, oh, the, she's the, now not. That's right. That was the there. Not, there was, well, it also just highlighted to me the blindness people have about thinking there's just one way to be and that we all have to come in this club and then we don't like those people over there. You know, perhaps we find out that Carly has um, a pair of leather boots that her grandmother gave her, you know, years ago. And instead mm-hmm. of throwing them in the bin, she still has them does that mm-hmm. oh she's not a vegan that's not true if right. Carly's gonna buy boots this week that's a different argument and right. but this sort of dismissing of people but that was very surprising to me I didn't look at any of those comments although there was a very large number because I was contacted by tens of people asking if I was okay how could people be so awful now I said well number one I'm not going to read those comments because if people are able to have such a reaction to something that is literally an opinion and a, a situation it has nothing to do with me because mm. it doesn't because the when the reaction is out of proportion to the threat somebody having an opinion um, I wasn't telling anyone what way to go I wasn't even saying what I thought I just said that people have a right to speak out mm-hmm. um, which is a pretty like like you said baseline understanding of democracy absolutely but because it was related to people t- get, taking to the streets and peacefully going out at a time when in theory they weren't meant to, which is actually just because a government says it, it doesn't mean it's lawful what they're doing, breaking the law in Australia, left, right and centre. It's um, But that was, so we've got to ask ourselves, where am I doing that? Where am I on social media? And I just dismiss someone or I cancel them. I mm. deplatform them. Not you know, not because they're a dreadful person going out and abusing things, it's because they don't agree with what I agree with. Right. That is that is a divide and conquer. It's used by any government over millennia to divide and conquer people that want to wake up and say, hey, what's going on? We need something different here. So ask ourselves where we're doing it. Where are we violent to ourselves? Where do we mm. have, you know, attack ourselves and say we're not good enough or I could never do that? And um, who am I to do this? You know, I don't like myself. So I've, you know, I don't, you know, I don't want to put myself forward. Well, if you don't like yourself, why are you foisting your horrible self on other people and expecting them to like you? Right, right. right. <laughs> and, Great question. <laughs> yeah, you can have me. I don't like me. So, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, but this is really important. So uh, what as is without in is without. So if we mm. have nasty, horrible, violent thoughts towards ourselves or to others or to the horrible carnage neighbor next door, that we're not working through and realizing it's our despair and our upset, we need to do something with that, then we are contributing to this unconscious world. Right. You know, it's a big calling for us at the moment. I mean, people said to me, gosh, those horrible people that said something and some people that were very well known in the movement, I hope you've tore them off a strip. And I said, no, I don't even feel angry towards them. I'm disappointed and I'm sad. 
because they also those individuals are for them to to be publicly also so violent you know don't they think there's people outside of this the meat and livestock industry for instance going this is great the vegans are all having to go at each other they're not a very powerful group are they yes and exactly it's so saddening isn't it when we see this and we should all for me as a animal based vegan activist i I always ask the criteria of what I'm going to say should be judged by the animal in the cage. Would they be happy that I, in a sophisticated language, tear somebody off a strip because they said something awful? That's just my ego and I, I'm not gonna do that. And you know, you, we need to put ourselves aside and say, what is in the interest of these animals or our planet? Not, you know, and actually what people think of me is none of my business. <laughs> Yes, exactly. And the ego part is so big because now that I've been vegan for a few years and I talked to you about this last time and I Mm. talked to you this about you the first time I reached out to you, it was just that dystopia that was so real, that anguish, that Mm. sadness, that depression of, oh my gosh, what is the world? And nobody Mm. gets it. Nobody around me gets it. Like I get it. And I'm putting putting that in air quotes for people listening. And I... I can now say after going through that period and, and working through that and being angry and upset with people in my life who didn't want to go vegan overnight with me and all of that. Yeah. Now that I've been vegan a few years, the people every like as soon as I backed off, as soon as I started, yeah. stopped telling people what they should be doing and just lived a vegan lifestyle and talked about mm-hmm. why I enjoyed it like so many more people in my life and on my social media have reached out and asked, how do you do that? That's right. Yeah. It's just, I mean, it's a direct example for me that was just really drove that point. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's very important to constantly come back to the ethics of it. And because if not, we know somebody moves to a plant-based diet and they go back. And so, but if somebody's, you know, if we live healthy, vibrant, you know, lives that have a low footprint, and people ask us about our diet and they ask about evidence for that is to tell them that and to show them how to do that. And then say, however, you know, veganism actually is about the non, you always segue it back. And guess what yeah. else I found out? You know, I think, um, and I think Gary Francione says this and not many people know him these days, but he was, he's really the father of abolitionism in terms of veganism. Mm. And he's very outspoken. I do not agree with everything he says. I don't like that he criticizes other vegans who he believes are welfareist, you know, and he believes that, you know, it's either all or nothing. We all believe it's all or nothing. However, the route to getting to all or nothing. I was just going to say the path there. <laughs> well, you know, I'm sorry. I'm not going to say to the pig in the, in the sow crate, you can't move. Look, I'm sorry. I'm waiting for the world to go 100% ethical before we get your cage bigger or stop you being mutilated without painkiller. Because, yes. you know, that's my smug ideology. If I do that, I want to help her and I want to have shine that bigger light of no cages. Yes. So, um, but he says something um very important which i've never forgotten because i forgot the first part of the (laughs) (laughs) we were talking about that's right to bring this always bring it back to something so for instance if i'm out um and say i'm i I personally choose not to eat in front of people that are eating animals i just want to sit and sob and cry so Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. but i will eat in other places or i'll go and have coffee with people and if there's a guy having a cheese sandwich in the corner I'm not going to run out of there in horror, but I will not, you know, 
sit around that in the same way I wouldn't if I knew people were doing terrible things to children I wouldn't sit around right. and go well it's your choice right. you know and I know some people listening I don't really get the ethics of veganism they might go well that's a bit extreme but right. it's all about abuse and exploitation so but uh, so if somebody asked me oh um oh we've got some cakes here or something and I was offered something the other day is a little cheese tasting thing at a cafe and I said no thank you I don't eat animals I always say I don't eat animals I don't say I'm vegan because they go oh we got a cashew one here end of conversation they go oh animals well there's no animals in it I said actually there is this is the you know the milk from the cow and and knowing what I know about where that comes from the suffering involved I choose not to do that you know oh Oh, yeah so and I don't do like the judgment or anything but you preach on the thing and um, on the table. But if people ask us about, you know, our diet, they ask about environment, they ask about all sorts of things, mm-hmm. tell them that and say, and yet, you know, there's another part to this as well. Because what really makes vegans live a vegan lifestyle, even if it was the worst diet on the planet, is the empathy with the suffering of animals that they want to not be part of. Yes. Okay, then the wonderful hidden secret, of course, which I couldn't believe that, you know, um, is, oh, my gosh, it is not only a a livable diet when done well, a whole food plant based diet, hands down, all the science supports it. Um, Actually, it is the most healthful diet. So that to me was a hidden bonus. So but we can tease that one back. But if someone just comes on this for literally their own dietary purposes, they're very likely to start back. Yeah. That's right. And it just kind of domino effect (laughs) one after another. I started to learn, but Mm. it was just pure. I am tired of feeling like crap. That's right. And some people won't go beyond that, though. I think they turn to that and then they go, um, oh, I'm vegan. And I I, when somebody says that to me, Carly, I go, that's fantastic. I love meeting vegans. And they go, oh, yeah, are you vegan? Or if they say they love animals or something. Yeah. And they're they're patting your dog or something. I go, that's fantastic. I love meeting vegans. Well, I'm not a vegan. I go, how does that work? And they go, well, I'm not. And I say, but you know what a vegan is? Well, it's just one of those fussy. I said, actually, it's not. Do you mind if I tell you? You know, it's, it's a nice chat at the dog park. Yeah, yeah. And then they say, I say, well, it's actually a philosophy of the non-use and non-exploitation of animals. So when you told me you love them, I presume you didn't eat them. <laughs> See, People are going to be like, well, I'm going to avoid Claire at the dog park from now on. <laughs> But they can't forget. This is the thing. Right. They can't forget that because I didn't do it with judgment and go, mm-hmm. you don't, you don't. I could see you eating a McDonald's. You don't love animals. You only love dogs and cats. They're going to go, where are you coming from? Because they do love animals. They just, you know, so many young people, children, young people have never seen a farmed animal. They never see a cow or a pig or a chicken. You know, I've even had a 12-year-old in Australia once asked me when they saw Cuba Truce I was holding is is that where beef comes from (laughs) they actually didn't know because you know that's kind of concerning right because the you um package it like it's a product and not an animal and why would you know where it comes from that's right absolutely Mm. so given everything we just talked about (laughs) which is so good. I always just feel like I have so many like little golden nuggets of information I pull mm-hmm. when we chat or when I read anything you've written. So I always appreciate that so much. Um, how do you stay inspired to keep doing this work despite the last 
45 minutes of hard things we've talked about. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Well, I, I have to practice what I preach. Um, it's putting in good systems of having a good life, um, a wholesome life, having systems and routines. So I've done yoga for over 40 years. I don't mm -hmm. go to classes anymore, but I, I do that several times a week. I meditate, mm -hmm. have a whole food plant-based diet. I garden. Mm -hmm. um, I could even, I'm looking to the left of me at the moment because I can see a lot of tomato seedlings on this table. I'm very <laughs> keen. I can show your um, listeners if you like. Oh I'll show you my audience that might see it on video. It's um, gardening. Um, I walk out in the country with my dogs. I, I have good friendships. I, after a certain time at night, I will not watch anything that's really challenging because, you know, mm -hmm. I have good sleep. Um, and, you know, I take action each day, I say, and I constantly have the conversations. Um, and I, how can I be a, an instrument for change? So, you know, I watch movies. I don't have a television. Get rid of your television, everybody. This is the worst thing you can have. It is, there's a reason it's called a program. <laughs> yeah. Um, we don't need what we don't need. We're not children. We don't need to be told what is going on in the world and indoctrinated day after day. We are able to research and look at that and look at wide areas of information mm. and to watch all sorts of series and all sorts of movies and all sorts of things to actually without all the adverts, yes. <laughs> you know, without all the doom and gloom. I could tell yes. you what's on the news and I haven't even looked at it. You know, it's um, it, we know what it is because it's there. It's an indoctrination and we're seeing more propaganda than ever at the moment. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. absolutely. Mm. Um, so before we get to the kind of Patreon bonus at the end. Is there anything that you want to add for the main episode here that I didn't give you space to or a message or anything yeah. that um, feels like it's on your heart right now in this moment? Yeah, absolutely. Well, um, people keep saying, oh, you know, we've had this terrible virus, the whole world shut down, we'll sort it all out and we'll go back to normal. Well, if people haven't realized by now, it's not going back to normal. And number one, I don't really want it to go back to normal. I don't I'm sure want you... any part <laughs> of where we were at before. <laughs> Exactly. That's that's. I have a. You, I share the sentiment, but you know, people's lives have been rocked enormously. But it's a great opportunity. We have a point zero 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 one percent of an example of what it's like to have our power totally taken away, to be mm. totally incarcerated, to be have medical interventions done without our permission, to have our children to, to, taken away. To you know, and this is starting to happen around the world. People's children are being taken away. Um, you know, um, this is what has happened to animals on a grand scale. Mm -hmm. And that doesn't mean, therefore, we all go, oh, my gosh, it, human suffering is very, very real. I'm seeing people lose their jobs and their businesses and their friendships and their livelihoods. Um, and then we, we, oh, let me go back to normal. Let me come and connect with the people and that. But we need to create something very, very different here. Mm -hmm. You know, we need to, to we look at our lives. We need to look at the levels of consumerism. We need to start coming together with people. How can we create a very different world, um, which is not based on socioeconomic slavery, yes. <laughs> which is winners and losers, you know, having a low footprint. And if we keep looking to want to get a different president, a different prime minister in, those systems have been around for millennia and it just goes back from one to another. That is not the answer. I really yes. don't believe that. And, and I'm going to come out publicly here, Carly. I have become an anarchist. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh, no, what is she going to say? <laughs> what is she going to say? 
<laughs> what, 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 what do I have to edit out? <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> what do I have to edit out? That's your, oh no, Claire Mann is, oh, she's not only a vegan and it's terrible. She speaks out about a lot of things. And is, um, what do you, I know we're coming to the end of the show, but what do you understand by the word? When you think about anarchy, what, what comes to your mind? It's probably the same as all of us thought and think. Yeah, I think the the stereotype that comes to mind is like punk rock, uh, kind of like punk rock, grungy. I hate the government. That's what there you I go. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. Well, yeah. lovely. Well, number one, I'll just dispel, dispel a thing because the punk rock movement back in the 70s, 80s, I believe they were vegan, by the way, and they were just standing up against the government so but there's the association they're they're going down and then more people they hate the government and they're running down the street and lobbing bottles through windows it's absolute chaos and everyone goes back to the government says oh save us because you know better than us even though you're a bureaucrat sitting in an office two months two minutes ago before you got your job it's but an anarchist is a non-person who believes in non-statism now can we honestly look around and see any government that has ever done what they said they were going to do, that doesn't, you know, promises things, <laughs> not in your lifetime, you're not going to see it either, and we've never seen it, in, in, you know. But people go, oh, well, that's just how it is. We vote that person in, they promised to do that, but they didn't. That is another way. So agorism is the philosophy of non-initiation of violence, which is embedded in anarchy and um, non-statism and it says we are self-organizing creatures of course we've got accountability of course we've but lawlessness and recklessness comes out of these disparities in in yes we have bad apples but we've also the majority of people are pretty okay yeah. so I'm very interested in agorism I have a new website coming out called agorist psychology soon is Ooh, because I'm excited I think by this there is an opportunity for vegans because we keep, you know, for us, I think there's a, a bigger chance to get people that are waking up about what's going on in the world. And they don't want to continue in all these forms of oppression to actually expand their awareness of the non-initiation of violence to include animals. It has to include veganism rather than getting vegans to expand their view to replace yeah. these others. And so I, I'm going to focus a lot on agorism and speaking to the, the non-vegan world more. I would always be a vegan psychologist in the sense of, you know, of course, work yes. and to have, that's my passion and, and, you know, to help us all do the right thing, but actually to, to actually expand that so that people, when you say, look, if you want the non-initiation violence, it starts with your plate, but we expand that. So I think, and, you know, is to realize there are, I don't want to go back to normal, as you said, it's a, right. uh, that's the most exciting, refreshing thing I've seen. Now, Derek Brogues, Conscious Resistance, I did a, a webinar with him, as I say, on the second stage mm-hmm. of Stopia webinar series, but also go to the consciousresistance.org site. Okay. Um, they're not all vegan. I'm going to say that right from the start, but if yep. you, there's three, three free books there on okay. the whole principle of agorism. And it's very, very exciting. And uh, I think we're going to be talking more about this. Yeah, that's it's really interesting. And I look forward to looking that up. Where can people get a hold of you if they want to follow along or, or get in touch or anything? Yeah, absolutely. Well, it's veganpsychologist.com. There's lots of freebies on there. There's a 30 day vegan voices um, series, um, 30 days of individual videos on how to talk about veganism. In fact, there's a new book coming I've gone, out. I've gone through it the 30 days. Yeah. It was so helpful yeah. when I became vegan on my phone once a day, I just got this little 
nugget of information that felt like I was ready to have that conversation. So good. Oh, Cannot recommend that's it fantastic. Enough. Yeah. But however, I've just seen there's a, a new book a book coming out with Ingrid Newkirk in it called Vegan Voices. I don't think <laughs> she knows there's a Vegan Voices um, <laughs> training course, but that's fine. You know, where it's um, as long as she doesn't come along and say, hey, why have you called it that? I say, well, it's been called that for a very long time. Yeah. But <laughs> great. We are Vegan Voices, which is great. But that's a new book coming out, which I suggest people go and have a look at as well. It's not my book, but it's okay. a, a lot of vegan voices. So vegan voices is there. There's also this whole thing about starting with yourself to see where you make assumptions about other people. Again, on the veganpsychologist.com, you can find it under resources and things or else do a forward slash myths. And there's a four part uh, myths on quite challenging or unquestioned assumptions course there, which people can look at. And then there's free meditations so that we can, um, you know, envision that vegan world. You're using neuroscientific principles to change our brain um, templates in a positive way. I don't do hypnosis, although it can be very positive, but I prefer <laughs> to empower people to self-hypnosis. And you can check those out and get on my mailing list because I'm coming out. And then what I really want to say is that I'm working with T. Colin Campbell and um, Dr. Will Tuttle, Derek Bros, um, on the New World Vegan Summit on Truth and Freedom, which is coming out. So you'll be able to see that again on theveganpsychologist.com. Please sign up for that. Um, really looking at how we can shift this to not go back to normal, but to create a new world. That sounds so, I'm really excited for that. I, I think it's going to be really great. And I'll share all of that in the show notes as well. So people Perfect. can click on thank links you. and and do all of that. Mm. So thank you so, thank so you. much for all that. Yeah. Thanks for listening to another episode of Consciously Clueless. If you enjoyed this episode, hit subscribe wherever you're listening. If you want to help me get this into the ears of more listeners, send it to a friend, text it to a family member, share on social media, whatever you can do really helps me out. If you haven't yet, head over to patreon.com slash consciouslycarly and check out the growing community over there. Weekly tarot card polls, vegan recipes, healthy living tips, yoga videos, behind-the-scenes podcast content, and so, so much more. And finally, if Claire inspired you to try and go plant-based, I can help you with that. Let's work together. Until next time.